On this episode, I'm in a good mood because the Jets crushed the Dolphins and we go on an epic rant at the end of the show around the inflection point. This is Gary Vay, Nerd Chuck, and this is episode 167 of the Ask Gary V Show. I'm in a very good mood. The Jets won. That is good. You're in a bad mood because Kobe's retiring. That's, such a, that's like a humble brag. Oh, I'm really sad because a guy that won me five world championships is finally 40 years old and retiring. I grew up with him. I understand you grew up with him. But you know, like sports, it, it should be pretty simple. It's like, did you win, did you lose? You won with Kobe. I know it's sad and emotional, but you'll be fine. Uh, India, you, you did a surprise trip to us. After you said here on the show that you were not going anywhere, you went to San Francisco. I did go to San Francisco. That was good? You had a good Thanksgiving? DRock, everybody? Pierce, the, the VaynerMedia employee joining us? Hello. Good, good Thanksgiving? It was great. Why don't you tell the Vayner Nation a little bit about what you do here and things of that nature? Sure, I'm Pierce White. Uh, at Pierce White on Instagram. I am on our communications right team. And so, yeah, loving it. Going yeah. well? It's amazing. Very good. How long have you been at Vayner? Well, almost a year and a half. Nice. Straight out of college, so love it here. Straight out of college. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm in a good mood. No salty Monday. Uh, and now we have an entire week. I'm here this week, so we'll have a lot of shows. The buildup will be extreme for the battle for New York. The Jets versus the Giants, both teams, seasons on the lines, a little bit less for the Giants because their division is so bad, uh, but it's going to be a huge game, it is going to be ruckus. Uh, I'm going to actually make a real commitment to a substantial Snapchat story of my experience uh, this weekend going to that Jets-Giants game. I, as a Jets fan, clearly the team that's won less uh, in New York. Giants have won four Super Bowls in my mouth. Uh, I've won. I've been to none during my fandom. Uh, we are clearly the little brother in town. We do have that chip on our shoulder. Uh, this is a very big game for me. I'm quite emotional about it. Um, I, uh, I'm excited. And I, uh, I, you know, I jumped off the bandwagon of making predictions. The Jets played much better than I expected yesterday. I'm probably not going to make a prediction because now I'm going to go with this. You know, worked. So uh, we'll go with that route. But I will talk quite about a big about it. And uh, all you Giant fans, this will be good. Let's do. Some, are, are we taping the show on Friday? I think we are, right? All you Giant fans, please go on Instagram. Make your 15-second trash talk videos to me for this game. Let's really get the juices going for this game because I am fired up for it. Um, I'm fired up for it. In 1988, we knocked the Giants out of the playoffs in the last game of the year. That was awesome. In 1993, when I was a senior in high school, we beat the Giants. Um, Since then, it's not been going as well. Uh, And so I'd like to get back in the wing column, India. With that, I would like to get into the show. Matthew. Matthew. Oh, before I get into the show, I would also like to uh, say that I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving. It's a great time. I feel like Thanksgiving is one of the real great vacations uh, of all time. You know, it kind of really starts on Tuesday. 
people kind of travel on Wednesday. For me, there's nothing like that Wednesday when I know everybody's checked out. And it's like really like Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, all quite relaxing. And I really enjoyed it. Had an amazing time with my family. Uh, and so I hope you did it as well. Now I am ready to get into the show. Matt says, the golf coaching world has been boring for way too long. What would Ask Gary V do to create a bad golf coaching business? Uh, well, golf is boring. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so wait, Matthew starts with golf coaching. The golf coaching world has been boring Got it. for way too long. No, look, I mean, every world is boring uh, in a lot of ways outside of heavy entertainment genres or high energy genres until a personality comes along. I would say for the common uh, American, financing and finance news was boring until Jim Cramer came along. I take a lot of pride in the fact that a lot of people through the years, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, have told me that wine was boring until I came along. And so you're always one personality away. You know, Howard Cosell changed sports casting. I think you're one, extreme high energy, uh, entertaining person away from changing uh, an entire culture. And so this is quite basic. I mean, you know, to me, anytime something becomes exciting, it's on the back of a human being making it exciting. Um, and so, you know, you know, Emeril Lagasse made chef culture, you know, less boring by saying, or whatever he did, right? And that was in the early 90s. So I, the answer to your question is, and I assume you're alluding this way, Matthew. Listen, Matthew, if you've got the chops, if you've got the charisma, if you're entertaining enough, uh, then you will be that person. And I think that's an important thing for everybody to understand. You, you know, <laughs> everything is based and predicated on the actions. You know, everybody wants to change. You know, my tagline on Wine Library TV is, we're changing the wine world, whether they like it or not caught a lot of people's attention. It brings a lot of people coming to me around this question. It, you know, if you, your actions have to represent the thing that you want to happen and so please, anybody who's trying to change the hair extension world or the art world or the music world or you know, whatever, the, making apps for the iPhone, like whatever thing you're trying to change, you're either changing it or you're not. Your actions are creating your change. And so when I hear that question, if you're not putting out the content that's compelling and entertaining experience, well then, there's no talking about it. Like if you've been doing it, then it's happening. And if you're not doing it, it's not happening. And saying that you're gonna do it, uh, or asking me to, for the answer to it, it's just the actions. It's every single boring world can be changed. Science. There's people that make science interesting and literature interesting. Like it's out there. Like LeVar Burton made reading interesting with his rainbow. I mean, like you know, anybody can do it. So um, that's the answer. It's just a human being coming along and being entertaining within the genre and having the expertise to not have the experts laugh them off the stage and make it seem like they're a comedian just doing that. And I think that's what it comes down to. The equal parts, you actually know what the hell you're talking about with golf lessons and golf culture and really know golf and can really teach. And then you're also ridiculously handsome and charismatic to execute that entertainment factor. Um, Anastasia. Anastasia. Anastasia asks, in the age of screenshot reposts on social. I like screenshots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got you with that one. I just like them. I just like you to know that I like them. Now we know. Okay. How do you see brands protecting themselves? Do we say goodbye to copyrights? 
Listen, copyright is on on uh, is is on watch, right? Like copy copyright's been put on shade. Like it needs to understand like stuff like it is being trolled. Like yeah, I mean like and on the flip side, like there's a lot of push the other way. But yes, I mean like we're not in you know, we're not in the same world as we used to be anymore. Technology has created a scenario where we all collectively have to figure this out. I mean like music was put on blast by Napster and then like we had a whole decade or two of innovation. Uh, Apple came along, figured out how to make it compelling. YouTube, you know, came along, found out how to make it compelling over time. At first it was not as compelling to the copyright people. Uh, yeah, I think, listen, we, we will never fully get away from where somebody creates something that they're not being compensated. Uh, I don't think, we're, we're too far down the culture of that. Uh, on the flip side, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a rub because the truth is a lot of people want people to use their stuff. Uh, they want both, they want both, right? They want to use, you want them to use your music or picture in the commercial so you get commercial success, but you want to be compensated for that. The truth is there's so much content and so many things that can be used that alternatives of things that are free are becoming more and more of the, uh, uh, of the fad. Uh, I think that much like we answered the Adele question which worked out for her, I think, you know, I think we used Schmadel, and I think this was three or four episodes ago. I think every person who's watching and listening needs to make a decision for themselves if they're better off you letting people use their stuff or not. I watch people use my imagery all the time. Somebody made a salty V T shirt on T Public. The team hit me up, they're like, what do we do? Do we want to take it out? I decided no, that's in my benefit that if people buy that, I won't make the 18 cents or $4 or whatever it is per shirt. That's okay, because it's valuable for me at this moment. On the flip side, people use my image to sell like bullshit like information products where like I don't believe in it, that's bad. I do tell them to take that down, that's a copyright issue, because that's falsely making it look like I'm endorsing some bullshit $300 ebook or course. So. I think you have to make an individual uh, investment, weigh the value props. Uh, you know, there was a Vine, for I brought this up before, where the girl used a booty shaking song in her twerking video that made that song shoot up, it was like 10 years old, shoot up to number 10 in the iTunes store. If they would have taken that down, they would have missed out on all the sales of the album which they made money on. So you've gotta be strategic in this new world. It's not a one size fits all kind of answer. What are you looking at, India? Okay. Well, I can tell there's nothing super interesting going on back there. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I agree. There's peeps. Maddie. Matt says Richard Branson says clients do not come first, employees come first. Do you agree or disagree, and why? I agree, and uh, Matt, Matt, Matt. I mean, I agree, and like I've been pounding that, you know that for 166 episodes, so uh, at least 40 times. So I feel very comfortable in kind of dodging this answer because I think one of the things, like the repetitiveness of this show is something I challenge myself with. Always recognizing there's so many new people watching ahead, you know, and there's a lot of people watching, so I'll just go very fast. This doesn't get my juices going. And I'm not trying to dismat. I assume you're fairly new, so I'm excited. It's not even close. To me, it is fundamentally uh, my employees, then my customers, then my own interests, and that has been the backbone of my success. I feel like you end up with a whole lot if you go in that order. Um, And I think my actions have spoken to that 
at this company. I've got a lot of people that have worked in the agency industry for a long time and have been surprised by how hard I push back on clients. We've fired a client historically, which is sacrilege, even though people say it. Uh, and so, um, yes, I think Richard's correct, and I think anybody successful, like a Branson, that's built an actual organization, not as like a single entertainer or as an investor or somebody built a product, somebody that actually built a 600, a 6,000, a 60,000 person organization uh, or a six person organization successfully recognizes how much value in the people there really is. I also happen to like people which makes it even easier for me. So just keeping it very basic, I say, I say yes. I'm curious to your strategy of picking that question, India. And we're getting so many new viewers, and like I checked the last time we really talked about that was like in the 40s, like episodes. So. Fine, come with real data and answers, <laughs> India. No, really good job. Yeah, so now that India has guilted me into going a little bit deeper here, no, no, at, listen, I mean, well, I appreciate it. I'll go a little bit even further. To me, it's a very big deal. And, uh, and, and it's so surprising to me, uh, law firms, consultants, agencies where they actually sell people's hours that they're not completely infatuated with that process. I get it for Wine Library where like we were selling wine. The end result was a transaction with wine. The end result here is a transaction with another human being against their hours. So again, if you are in a business where that is the case, you, you run multiple gyms and you have trainers, you, you know, you, again, law firm, consultants, anybody who's listening to this who has a business that people's hours are being sold should be religious. I mean cultish about caring about their people. And then anybody that's selling a byproduct of it, your, your results are gonna, the shelves are gonna be stocked better at Wine Library. You're gonna get a better answer on a recommendation from Wine Library if you care about your people, even though the end result product is a bottle of wine, or if you go into a bicycle shop, the end result is still selling a bike, but if Ricky is happy when he came into the shop and you come in for a bike, he's gonna spend that extra 15 minutes enthusiastically enthusiastically trying to tell you that this tire is better than that tire. That shit matters. Jacob asks, would Gary take 20 minutes out of his day to watch Ask Gary V? No. I would not watch the show. Um, I know I've lost viewers because of this answer. Uh, uh, I've watched that. It happened. I've actually been curious because there's been like 10 or 11 people emphatically saying I'm not watching anymore because I get it. Like, and then I kind of like follow, like I tag them and I kind of like follow up and I'm like, oh crap, I really lost them. Um, which makes me happy and sad. Um, uh, Misha used to do that. My daughter used to do that. She's like, I'm happy and sad. And so that's where that came from. Uh, and so um, uh, the answer is I wouldn't. Um, because it's not how I roll, but I also would have never watched one episode. So I think that's an important thing for the people listening and watching. Like the way I learn is different. The way I do things is different. Um, and there's no right or wrong. As a matter of fact, my biggest issue is that I wish I had a little bit of more of that in me. You know, I wish that I would, you know, read a book or two here and there. Like I wish I consumed people's content that I was aligned with or could learn from. It's just. I'm just too into the anthropology of just watching. Like I said, the Knicks game last night, uh, tough double, tough overtime loss to the Rockets. Um, Michael Lang, if you're watching, screw you. Um, I mean, I spent all my time watching everybody on their phones. And by the way, it was an Instagram, Snapchat only world from 16 to 46. New York crowd, 
uh, but super fascinating. So that's how I learn. I learn by watching. I learn by watching all of your behaviors in the comments uh, and then seeing what you do. I learned by all of you being so honest about telling me your truth. Learned a lot about a lot of you individually. Helps me interact with you. Um, so that I'm on that side of the coin. So the answer is no, I would not watch the show. Malik. Not Malik Seeley. None of you know who Malik Seeley is. Yeah. Old school basketball player. Played for your favorite teams. <laughs> I think he went to Syracuse or St. John's. Definitely a local school. I think St. John. I'm going to pretend that it's Malik Seeley. Wow, Malik, thanks for watching the show, man. I was a big fan of your college career. Malik asks, what advice do you have for someone who finds out that they're not cut out to be an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah. Uh, I get it, Malik, because you believe I'm just kidding. Um, being an entrepreneur is not some great like thing. Like It's just as good as being anything. It's just as good as being a great, I mean, I, you know, listen, as much as it's amazing for me that I inspire people to maybe build businesses that then is a gateway drug to happiness in their life, I'd, eat, I'd, be, I'd feel really compelled to be financially secure, have better work-life balance, and be a brain surgeon and save people's lives on a daily basis. Like, like there's a lot of things, or, or like simple things like, do you know, you know, maybe not as financially rewarding, but if you're wired to be a great guidance counselor, like impacting teenagers through those really difficult, being a guidance counselor in high school for real, like, and if you're not mailing it in and full of shit and only want to be there nine to three, like you're, like if you really are in it, um, it just comes down, you know, it's funny, so that would be cool to be a guidance counselor, which leads me to a point that made me think of this, which is, if you're, if you're really passionate, and I don't use that word, as you guys know, like I kind of stay away from that because I think it's a kind of a bullshitty word, but if you're truly passionate and really into what you do, and you really give it your all, like if you really do, whether you do it for yourself or within an organization that you believe in or within an organization that you think will get you to the place you want to be one day, which is really what I try to build here, which is one of those two things, right? It's a place you want to be around me and that energy and that success and that machine for the rest of your life or you feel like the things you'll learn at Bain are over a two, six, 12, 19 year career lends itself to the things you want to do in the future. If you're lucky enough to be in one of those scenarios, regardless of what you do, if you like passionately get up in the morning, if you got up this morning at 6 a.m. like I did and were fired up to go, of course because the Jets won, but fired up to go and your to go was you're gonna go in the office and from nine to four you're gonna clean teeth and work on cavities because you're a badass motherfucking dentist that loves the teeth game, well then you've won. Like, like you know, my advice is if you figured out you weren't an entrepreneur, well then you're just like one of those contestants on American Idol that like went there, you gave him that back, good for you, kudos, you stood in front of Simon and he said you stink. And you're like crap and then you went home and it aired a couple months later and everybody laughed at you and on Twitter they said you stunk and you're like all right, maybe I'm you know, weird and maybe I can't sing. Now what you need to do is comma, move on and try to figure out what you can do, what you are good at and more importantly what do you love. And then there's the other big semicolon, I don't even know, that's definitely not the proper grammar but like there's the other parallel thing which is like you don't give a crap that you suck at singing, you can't breathe and believe that you could do anything else, you're just gonna sing. Awesome, go get a job at like a karaoke bar. Like go like work at a music store and just sit there and all day and say, like there's absolutely this remarkable balance of what makes you happy, what makes you the most money. Some people are just blessed, lucky, or, or grinded their way into it or were born with the talent of like being able to do both. I would tell you that if I could make enough money 
to make me happy uh, because I want it, because I like it. I like the game, it's the game of it more so than it. But like, I've often thought about fully retiring and just garage selling. You know? I, but the problem is I just have too much other ambition and other things I want to do and it's really not predicated on the money. But like, the, like I'm very close, like there's, I'm one DNA strand away from being a guy that makes $87,000 a year garage selling every day. And that's cool. And like I have so many friends and relatives that are rip crap happy that tried to be entrepreneurs, failed, just like I would fail to be a professional hockey player or a singer. Um, and have gone on to massively happy, like, it's just about being happy. And so my advice for an entrepreneur would be, you know, dust it off, be like, all right, that's not me, even though it's a hot thing to be right now. Um, And let me go figure out what I can do that is, to me the magic is, what's the thing that you can do the best that you like the most? What's that cross section? And that's a great place to be, right? It may not be perfect. You might not be like Kobe, who loves playing, like you could see in his face, loves playing basketball more than breathing and happen to be phenomenal at it, which is why you become Kobe. Like, like, like there's a reason there's Kobe. There's a reason there's Madonna. There's a reason that there are these one-named people. <laughs> sure. You know, like, like, like there's a reason. Like, like, like let's cut to the chase uh, because they happen to have at the inflection point the passion and love and desire and the talent for that thing and found that thing, which is a whole nother category of things, to be successful. Uh, I feel like I've had that. But I also recognize in so many, not that exact thing or the upper middle class version of it. The eight on a 10 point scale. The 7.2, the 9.1, the 5.4. It's just, you know, that's what you're looking for. You know, that's what you're looking for. And then there's the balance of risk and practicality so many people are not born with the risk gene of an entrepreneur. You're just not willing to take the chance. It's just too scary. I just don't know the other way. It was too scary not to get Fs for me. I've always fought the system. I can't conform to what people think is right. It's just not how I see the world. It's just not what I see. So I think tripling down on you, if you found out you're not an entrepreneur, you probably weren't self-aware to begin with to realize that you weren't gonna win in that anyway. You're probably just following a narrative of what's sexy or what's attractive. And you need to take a big, big boy, big girl step back in your life and say, okay, let's get really real with ourselves. What is the thing I'm best at that I like the most? And then triple down on that. Put yourself in that position. Quit your job or quit the failed startup and go start you know, whittling wood because you might just be great at it and you can sell the goddamn little statues in an amazing museum shop in Wyoming, be happy as goddamn hell, make a good buck. You're one Instagram photo away from somebody saying, look how amazing this is. Now you're the wood wettlinger for the celebrities. And like, I mean, this is real. Uh, you know, but this is real. Like, this is how shit goes down. And it's funny, and I know it's a funny, like, I'm glad I got you, India, but like, like what do you think happened with DJs? Like they just loved it so much and so they made 500 bucks on the side of parties. DJ AM, like I, I watched Docu. And then he became the one that did it for Madonna's parties and then he got paid a million dollars to be the DJ in residence in Vegas. Like funny things happen when you triple down on your strengths. A lot of times the world comes to you. A lot of times the world comes to you. 
It may not seem like you can make them. Too many people are like, I'm awesome at this and I love this, but it doesn't make a lot of money. Ugh, I hate that because that is the place to go because all of a sudden the world comes to you. 1979, I'm a great chef and I love cooking more than life. But I'm not gonna be a chef because it only pays $50,000 at this restaurant and I'm the help. Yeah, until that 22 year old, then in 1995 is 37 and celebrity chefs are now a thing and she has her own show. I mean like, that's what I think. Cool, that was fun. That was fun to be in that bubble for a second. Oh, we still have a podcast question. Okay, thank you for everybody who's been watching. Uh, And I will close the show right now and then we'll do a podcast thing. Uh, Question of the day. You know what? What is that inflection point for you right now? We've been very truthful, I like it. Let's go there. Right now, tell me your inflection point. The thing you like the most that you're the best at. I just wanna know what that thing is. And then as a little context play for me, comma, are you actually doing that? Or are you right now being practical, paying back loans? You you make 200,000 being a lawyer so you can't do that thing because that would only make 50K. What is your inflection point? Psst. What's up podcast peeps? As as you might know if you were watching uh, or just because you're listening and you're on the treadmill or driving, uh, happy Thanksgiving and here is an exclusive answer for the podcast. Scott asks, how long do you keep giving 51% if you're not seeing 49% come back? What's the minimum percentage you'll accept back to keep giving your 51%? Uh, Forever. I will, uh, the, the, I will always give the 51% and sometimes because the person is not reciprocating, uh, I will sometimes give 100%, sometimes 93%, uh, and sometimes even though I try to give 51, I'm given 90%. I just haven't been able to you know, balance the chips yet because the person was so phenomenal or, or made one move happen in my career or in my family life that was so disproportionately valuable I haven't been able to catch back up. Though I don't have a whole lot of those. I, I try to settle my scores pretty quickly. Uh, and actually I think that's a flaw of mine. I need to get myself in a position where I can have that impact from people. I think, you know, I, I need to balance that out. But I'm not crippled. Remember on this 5149 question, um, you cannot be crippled if somebody reciprocates. The lack of expectation of others is the benchmark. It is the other pillar of being able to do 5149. So just by thesis of the question, or just by the energy of your question, not thesis, the energy of your question makes me realize that you're not fully all the way there yet, and I get it. First of all, it just might be a DNA thing. I truly believe I'm just built that way, that that's the way I think about it. But the more you can push yourself that direction, the more I would recommend that. Awesome, thanks podcast piece, thanks for listening. You keep asking questions, I'll keep answering them.